Aren't you glad that God came into your life, brought Jesus into your life, took away all of your sins, gave you a new start, a new beginning. We thank God for all that he's doing in each and every one of your lives. Want us to pray for Carlos and Melissa, their son Grayson had a little challenge and he had to be rushed down to Riley and uh, they may or may not have surgery for his leg that was injured. I think Grayson is three maybe or he's he's very, very young, but uh, but we're believing that he won't have to have surgery, that the cast that they put on will do it. And so we want to lift him up and And then we also want to uh, pray for John and Jessica. They're heading to Europe, and you're going to be studying over there for a couple of weeks. What an awesome opportunity that would be. So let's lift up Grayson. Father, we thank you for Grayson. Thank you there's no distance in the realm of the Spirit. We thank you that whatever is needed, it will be totally revealed that Carlos and Melissa and Grayson will be at total peace and that whatever is needed to correct everything that this is of a challenge at this moment, Lord, it would be done and that he is a healthy young man and, and that everything is going to be done to your glory in the name of Jesus. Thank you for John and Jessica leaving this Thursday. Thank you for an awesome, great, life-changing trip to study a in Europe, and we thank you for safety, for the travel, for every moment they're there, and that while it will be a time of study, it'll also be a great time of rest, relaxation, and new adventures in Jesus' name. And everybody said, well, let's say it. The Word of God is truth. If I live the Word, I will be blessed. And if I don't, I won't. It's just that simple. Tell your neighbor it's just that simple. Good to see all of you here today in the house of the Lord. Pastor Pam sends her love. She is home, and uh, she uh, had a really hard night not sleeping well the night before she left Tulsa, then had an 11-hour drive, and she was zonked out last night. And uh, so I said, honey, why don't you just sleep in this morning? And she said, if you don't care, I'm going to. So uh, she'll, hopefully she'll be here for the second service. But we're glad to see all of you here. Uh, the word of the Lord today is that, that you are valuable to God. And uh, tell, turn to your neighbor and just tell them, you, you are very valuable to God. And, and I want to I share some of this, just all of it from my heart, but from my heart and then give you some scriptural references. But when... When you came into the kingdom of God and you accepted Jesus, and, and most of you in this service know the Lord, you, you've already accepted him as your Lord and Savior. If somewhere along the line you made a mistake, you came right back to him because you understood his love. Second service is entirely different. Uh, second service will have many visitors in here, will have many people who do not know the Lord. The important thing is that you have to understand how valuable you are to God and that you accept that value and understand that he wants to use you and that he wants to take everything that he's given you, flow it through you and out to other people. And that if we're not careful, we can get so busy being busy that we'll miss all of the hurting people that have been assigned to us that are everywhere that we go. And this just happened to me this weekend. 
God has been dealing with with me, and sometimes I come into a weekend and and I and I know the exact message that God's given me, and then sometimes I feel like I have a different message, and then it all solidifies coming into Sunday. But uh, the the first message that Pam said, "What are you going to share on Sunday?" and I said, "Well, I think the word of the Lord is, what do you do when you don't know what to do?" And uh, and uh, <laughs> it's just you know certainly a catchy title, and we've all been there, done that. But then the the closer we got to, and that is a message that I'm. I'm feeling the Lord has given me, but the, but the message that I felt like the God, God kept saying is, tell them how valuable they are to me to reach out and touch other people for me. And that there are people that we are assigned to touch. And as I was praying about this service, I came out of Walmart the other day and I was coming down, well, just Saturday, or a Thursday, rather, I'm sorry, Thursday, and I was coming out of Walmart, and there's a guy standing on the corner, and he had a sign up, and the sign said, we'll work for food. Now, how many of you realize that there is a compassion in us for all people? Can I see your hands? Okay. How many of you realize there is something in us that says, oh, yeah, I bet. You know, you see the sign. Why don't you get a job? Is that really true? Are you just trying to take money from people? What are you doing? All of those things. I would have to say that when I drove by and saw the sign, both thoughts went through my mind. And as I went around the corner, the thought that was dominant was, why don't you give them some money? And I heard that thought. And all of a sudden, I just felt this compassion of the Lord. I don't know if it was a scam. I don't know whether he really needed the money. I don't really know. But I know that I know that I know that when the compassion of the Lord is flowing through me, it wants to flow out of me. Can you all relate to what I'm saying? Turn to your neighbor and say, I can relate. And so I went back. And the minute I gave him that money, I don't know what I gave him. I think I gave him $10. I just felt the love of God for that guy, no matter what his reason was for wanting to take that money. I don't really care because you do it as unto the Lord. And you just never know when an opportunity is going to present itself for you to let the love flow through you. But, you know, all of us can be preoccupied. Can I see the hands of all the people that you many times are preoccupied? Your mind is just whatever. And I ran into, again, Walmart last night. And I had to get a couple of things before Pam got home. And as I was coming down this aisle, this woman was standing there. She looked like she was about 80 years old. She looked like she was alone. She just looked beaten down. She reminded me of the woman in the Bible. It was just all bent over. And as I hurried down this aisle, I saw her, and I kept right on going. And then it was just like this compassion. I just started to tear up uh, about this nondescript woman standing there. And as I turned around, I went back to her and I said, how are you today? And she just got her whole countenance changed, her whole countenance. And I said, how are you today? And she said, oh, I'm, I'm doing well. And I said, well, God loves you. And, and her, her countenance absolutely changed at that very moment. I could have passed her by, which I almost did, or I could have given her probably 20 seconds of my time that could have been the only moment in the whole day that somebody said something to her or somebody reached out to her. And what the Lord showed me when I walked away is that we would be amazed at how many people never have an encouraging word, never feel the love of God, 
and that we are so busy being busy that we forget the very essence of life, that we were created in the image of Almighty God. So if you want to know what God looks like, just look at the person next to you. He's created in that image. I know that's a joke. You know that. But, but we're all created in the image of God in our spirit when that spirit man is reborn. Before that spirit man is reborn, you are being formed by the image of the world. You are going the way of the world. But when your spirit man comes alive, the image of God is inside you. So everybody just tap yourself right here and say, I have that image. And that that's the love that God wants us to walk in everywhere that we go. And that that's the value that we have, that number one, God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son, and that he didn't come into the world to condemn the world, but that through him the world would be saved. And that everywhere we go, we have an opportunity to brighten somebody's life. And some of you have heard this story, especially in this service, but years and years ago, when, how many of you remember the, the uh, hot dog stand downtown? Downtown, It was Criscus, Coney Island. Um, you got to be pretty old to remember it. But, but uh, my dad used to take me there, and his dad took him there. And so that's how long it, it had been around downtown in the family. And it's, it was a famous hot dog place that's going now, best Coney dogs in the world. And, and uh, I'll, I'll never forget this one day. I was in a hurry, and I came out, and this guy had just walked out of the Coney place, and he really looked like he had been through a lot in his life. And I just stopped, and I turned to him. His name was Joe, and I said, hey, what is your name? And he said, Joe. And I said, Joe, my name is Bill. I pastor a church in Lafayette, Indiana. Do you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior? And he said, nope. I said, would you like to receive him? He said, nope. I said, okay. I said, okay. I said, well, I want you to have a great day. He said, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll receive him next Sunday. I said, really? He said, yeah, where's your church? And I told him, and he said, okay, will you come pick me up? And, and I'm standing there thinking, this guy wants me to, he's not going to receive Jesus. He wants me to come pick him up. And uh, I just stood there, turned to your name and said, what would Jesus do? <laughs> I didn't know what Jesus would do. And uh, so I said, sure, Joe, I'll pick you up. So he wrote his address down. And uh, I went that Sunday and knocked on the door, and nobody came. And so I went, I thought, okay, he just put me off. So about a week later, two weeks later, I'm back at the hot dog stand again. Here's Joe sitting there. I said, Joe, where were you? He said, where were you? And I said, what do you mean? He said, I was ready to go to church. You never showed up. I said, Joe, I had the address right there, something, something, Oregon Street is what I had. He said, I don't live on Oregon, I live on New York. They're all right next to each other. He says, what time are you going to pick me up this Sunday? <laughs> so I, I, went, I went down and I picked up Joe, and Joe was rough around the edges. How many of you remember Joe? You'd have to be going back quite a ways. And, uh, but, but anyway, Joe started coming to church, and the first Sunday he came to church, he came to the altar. And he gave his heart to the Lord. And he was with us all the time. And every time I would see Joe, he would start to have an encouraging word after he started get, getting the word for me. And I'll never forget this one time. He came up to me, and I had on this really nice, it was my favorite blue tie. And I had this blue tie on. And Joe came up, and he said, I really like your tie. And as soon as he said, I really like your tie, this is what I heard. Give it to him. Now, I have a lot of ties. I, there's a whole bunch of ties I had back in that era, and I still have. I would have been happy to have given to Joe, but that was my favorite tie. And he didn't ask for it. He just said, I really like that tie. I took the tie off. I gave it to Joe. 
you would have thought I gave him a million dollars. He talked about that tie right up until the time that he died. And it was just a little act of kindness that every one of us have in us to share with other people. When we did the service for Joe, there he is in that casket. Actually, Joe's not there. His earthly tent is there. Joe is in heaven rejoicing. But that earthly tent had my tie on it. (laughs) And for a moment... I always, I always stay around at the end of a funeral. I don't know if it's custom or not, but I always do. And they take a lot of times jewelry off, and I'm just there as respect. And then to go out ahead of the, of the casket. Just for a moment, I thought, it wouldn't be too hard to take that tie off. <laughs> but I didn't. The tie went in the ground with the earthly tent. But I share that with you because in my life, the greatest moments as I reflect back on them, are the moments of reaching out and touching people. And it's the same thing for you. But if we're not careful, we can let the cares of the world and the things that we experience that affect our emotions and our mind and everything. There's not a single one of you here today that doesn't have something that isn't going the way you'd hope to go. You can concentrate on that, or you can concentrate on the fact that you are made in the image of Almighty God, that He wants you to love people everywhere that you go, and that he wants you to reach out, and that that love will change their life for eternity. And I want to give you a couple of scriptures here and then share a couple of more experiences with you. But First John chapter 4, verse 8 says that God is love, and that God cannot distance himself from who he is. And every one of us have that love in us. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, you have that love. If you have Jesus as your Lord and Savior, that love lives in you, and everywhere you go, you can let it flow. The Dead Sea in Israel is dead for one reason and one reason only. It doesn't have an outlet, and it doesn't flow. The water comes down off the snow from Mount Hermon. It flows into the Sea of Galilee. It goes from the Sea of Galilee down the Jordan River. It's all healthy. It's all fresh. It comes into the Dead Sea, and because it can't flow out, it dams itself up, and everything dies in the Dead Sea. That's why they call it the Dead Sea. As a Christian, we should be the happiest people on the face of the earth, on assignment from God every moment of every day, that somebody out there needs what we have, and they're going to come across your sphere of influence, someone I'll never be able to touch, but you'll be able to touch, and then we have that multiplied effect going on all over the, <clears throat> all over the world. I've been standing and praying, Pam and I have, for our nephew, Matthew, who's incarcerated out in Denver, and we went out, and most of you know the story. He came back and, and uh, uh, with us for a while. We went out and bailed him out, and we just, I'm not saying that because of us. We, we, it was because of God. God told us to do it. And it, turn to your neighbor and tell him, I'm, I'm here on assignment from God. And you're not here that long. 
you're not here that long. Scripturally, you got 120 years, but we don't know how many years we have. And uh, so, so we, 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 we're here on assignment from God. And so we went out and got them and brought them home, and it looked good for a while, and then it turned, and then we saw some things, and he was right out there again, kind of like the prodigal son. You know, just took what he could and left and went right back out there again. So I was praying about it the other day, and, and I just kept feeling this love for him here, but in here, I just like to beat the heck out of them. <laughs> Have you ever been there? <laughs> and uh, it's a constant warfare going on. It's like, oh, I love you. I'd just do anything for you. I'd just like to take you in a closet and have an hour with you. <laughs> and, uh, but he, he called me the other day. And I wasn't sure where he was, but he's, he's back out in the Arapaho jail. Going to be there for three months, maybe four, and then he's going to go into another jail, serve another two or three months, and then maybe he'll be out, maybe he won't. And uh, I just was listening to him on the phone, and my heart was a little bit hardened over the waste of his life. He's only 25. Only 25. You all have people like that in your family somewhere. Only 25 years of age. And, uh, and, and so finally when he finished, and the only way he can call is if I put money on a credit card. And so I, I set that up for him. And toward the end then he said, do you, you don't mind if I call you, do you? And I said, oh, no. And he said, the reason I want to call you is because I know you love me. And I just began to weep. Because just about five minutes earlier, I was thinking about taking him in a closet and beating the crap out of him. <laughs> but then I began to reflect on where I used to be. And not that I've arrived, but the things that I used to do. And how God loved me unconditionally in spite of myself. And I remember when the man told me about Jesus. I could not believe that God could love someone like me, who had done the things I had done. It just didn't make sense. But there was something about the man and something about the woman who told me about Jesus that they had, and I knew it was real, but I knew I didn't have it. And sometimes in the church, we can be very hypocritical of saying and believing all those things, but not allowing those things to flow through us to others. We describe the situation and circumstance, but we don't just reach out and love the sinners. And that that's why when Jesus said, I came to heal the brokenhearted, I came to set the captives free, they're everywhere. The spirit of the Antichrist is alive and well on the face of this earth. And we're going to be praying for America this Thursday and binding the spirits that have been loosed on this country. But you and I have the ability to take that love everywhere that we go. And I want to read to you out of the book of Romans chapter 5. It took me a long time, and I thank God for my wife who really helped me when I met her. But even after I got saved, it took me a long time to really begin to love myself the way God loved me. Does that make sense to you? In other words, it's like, God, are you sure you know what you're doing with me? Because I know me, but yet God knows us better than anybody. And in Romans chapter 5, Verse 5, it says, Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our spirits by the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. For when we were still without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. 
For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrated his own love toward us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And that that's what we have to take to the entire world. And uh, when we were out in victory, one of the most uh, amazing turnarounds I ever saw was a man who came to our school, Victory Bible Institute. His name was Stan Moss, and Stan is is alive and well in heaven right now, but for about 20 years uh, we we knew him. Stan Moss came to our Bible school as a hardened drug addict and a seller. And when he came to our Bible school, he started hearing about the love of God. And this love of God began to penetrate the hardness that was in his heart. Everyone on the face of this earth, and if you get this, it'll, it'll, it'll help you for the rest of your life. Everyone on the face of this earth is searching for love. Everyone. It's not money. It's not fame. It's not fortune. It's not houses and cars. They're looking to be loved and unconditionally accepted by somebody. And they'll look in all the wrong places if they don't find it in the right place. And that's through what God has for us. And his heart began to be softened toward the things of the Lord. Many years ago, when Stan came home as a young teenager, he came home at about 17, 18 years of age. Police cars were uh, at his home, and he walked into a situation where his mother had been murdered. And it affected his life, and he went into a life of drugs for about eight years, nine years. And uh, when he finally came to us and gave his heart to the Lord, he kept saying, I believe God is calling me into the full-time ministry, but I just don't know that he could use me because of who I was and what I've done. And then God spoke to him and said, I want you to go into the prison, and I want you to go to the man who murdered your mother, and I want you to tell him about my love and my forgiveness, and I want you to tell him about Jesus. And Stan said, God, I cannot do that. All of you have somebody that you need to forgive with the love of Jesus who's coming against you. And if it isn't today, it may be tomorrow. And if it isn't tomorrow, it may be the next week. But if you'll walk in love, love those who spitefully try to use you or abuse you, it'll set you free. If you don't, it'll lock you up continually, and you'll never be able. You'll have that damn, that, that, that's a damn, that uh, uh, dead sea. Damn, well, no, I, I didn't mean bad damn. I meant, you'll, <laughs> no, no, <laughs> I, I meant that dead sea damned up in, in you, that, that, the, that, it, that love will not be able to flow. Stan wrestled with it for a long time, finally went to the prison, got a special exemption to go in because of who he was, was able to talk to the man and led the man who murdered his mother to Jesus. Talk about an act of love. That was a love and a compassion that is absolutely foreign to almost all of us. But the Word of God tells us, to love your enemies, that even the tax collectors, you know, show love to one another, but just love the people who come against you. When that kind of love gets in you, the most important person you need to be at peace with on this earth is not other people, although thank God that's a good thing. It's you, 
And when you can look in that mirror and you feel the peace of God and the love of God looking out at you, you're going to be able to be very, very successful on this earth. Another example we had there was a guy by the name of Steve Goley. He's been to this church years ago. We're going to have him back sometime to give his testimony. Steve Goley came to our school. I was walking down the hallway one day at Victory Bible Institute. He came up to me and he says, good to see you in person. And I said, Oh, are you a night school student? He said, no, I just got out of prison. I said, prison? He said, yes. We had the Bible school in six prisons in Oklahoma. I said, wow. I said, tell me more about it. He said, well, I got all messed up on drugs one night. I went into a convenience store to steal a six-pack of beer with some other guys, and my job was to make sure that the manager didn't call the police. And the manager reached for the phone. I hit the manager with this little club I had, thought I knocked him out, woke up the next morning, found out that he died. And he was sentenced to 30 years in prison. Through a set of miracles, watching by DVD and hearing about how much God loved him in spite of what he had done, He gave his heart to the Lord, ended up having a 30-year sentence commuted to three years, and was out and is now in full-time ministry even to this day. It is because of God's love that penetrated that hard heart. Everyone you see, when you watch on television, you can see people who are opposed to our way of life. You can see the anger and the seething and almost the hatred that is in them. You have to see through that. That is a hurting person who has been captivated by the spirit of the Antichrist, and it is our job to break through that. And the way you break through it is through the goodness of God and through the love of God. And that everywhere we go today, just yesterday, I was, or last night, well, it was yesterday, wasn't it? I, I, I was uh, going through the car wash. And, and I don't know who set up the lanes at Crew, which used to be Mike's car wash, but it's like a kamikaze attack when you have three lanes, now four lanes with the extra thing over there. And it's everybody like the, the, the green flag is just gone. We got to go first. We're all going to take about the same time. But I had this car crowding me out. One day I saw a lady jump out of her car, come over and give what was probably the last piece of her mind to this other person as they rolled down the window just screaming because her car had gotten messed up, didn't get hit, but the other car went ahead. And this one car went ahead of me, and I was praying about this message. Now, there could be a day when I was in a hurry and that car got ahead of me and something else might have popped into my mind. But I was praying about this message, and it's like, I don't care whether you go in front of me or not. I'm going to get my car washed whenever I can work it into the line, even though it must have been somebody who wasn't thinking who developed how you get into this car wash. Now, all all I'm saying is that you are valuable to God because you are one person away from touching somebody that will change their life for Jesus. I think about, Jerry, uh, your relationship with Bill. And uh, up there in, in, in the jail right now in White County. And he talks about it all the time, about how much you loved him no matter what he did. And the love of God will never return void. And that we have that ability to love people everywhere we go. Ephesians uh, chapter 5 verse 1 says that we are to be uh, imitators of God as dear little children. And that if we're going to imitate God, then we're going to love everybody everywhere. And that our example is Jesus. We've got a great example. Tell your neighbor, we got a great example. 
Now, how many of you know that your mind has a tendency to float about? And that you can float on negative things, or you can flow on positive things. You can think that you're on assignment from God, and I'm going to love everybody. And two minutes later, you walk out of here, and you go to a restaurant, and the service is slow, and the food is cold, or whatever, and it didn't go quite right. And we walked into a restaurant one time, Pam and I, years ago, and there were some people from the church sitting the next table. And they walked in and they saw us and somebody said, oh, we're going to have to watch what we say now. Now, I know that they were just joking, but I also know that I have been around people that when they talk, anything but the love of God flows out of them to other people. Everyone should be, to you, held in esteem more important than yourself. Now, I want to read a scripture that will help you there. It's in, uh, uh, Lord, where is it? First Corinthians, I believe it's third. No, that's not it. First Corinthians. Well, I'll find it here. Let me see. I think maybe it is in John 15, verse 17. Let me see if I found it right. No, that's not it. Let me see if it's over in Mark. Oh, hallelujah. Get a practice on you guys. Next service, I get it right. Mark chapter 12. Is it Mark chapter 12? Verse 38. Mark chapter 12. Hmm. 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 Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4. There is a different scripture I'm thinking of, but I can't get it. can't pull it up right now. The world is uh, self-centered. The spirit of the Antichrist, as I said earlier, it's all about me. It's self-centered. It's narcissistic. Narcissistic is, it's all about me. It's all about me. What, what are you going to do to make me feel good? What are you going to do to for me? And that if you're not careful... We can all be that way. Well, they shouldn't have done this, or well, I shouldn't be like this, or whatever, whatever, whatever. If you're on assignment from God, your whole focus should be, how can I spread my love that came to me from God and then spread it to other people? And it says in thir- uh, 1 Corinthians thirteen four, love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy, does not parade itself, is not puffed up, does not behave rudely, does not think it, seek its own, is not provoked, never thinks evil, doesn't rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, love endures all things, love never fails. Then in, in the commentary, what it says here is, love suffers long, having patience with imperfect people. Love is kind, active in doing good. Love does not actually, uh, does not envy, since it is non-possessive and non-competitive. It actually wants other people to get ahead. Hence, it does not parade itself. Love has a self-effacing quality. It is not ostentatious. Love is not puffed up, treating others arrogantly. It does not behave rudely, but displays good manners and courtesy. Love does not seek its own, insisting on its own rights and demanding precedence. Rather, it is unselfish. Love is not provoked. It's not irritable or touchy, rough or hostile, but is graceful, 
under pressure. Love thinks no evil. It does not keep an account of wrongs done to it. Instead, it erases resentments. Love does not rejoice in inequity, finding satisfaction in the shortcomings of others and spreading an evil report, but rather it rejoices in the truth, aggressively advertising the good. Love bears all things, depending, defending and holding other people up. Love believes, <coughs> excuse me, Love believes the best about others. <coughs> Excuse me. Wow. <clears throat> Love bears all things, depending and holding other people up. Love believes the best about others, credits them with good intentions, and is not suspicious. Love hopes all things, never giving up on people, but affirming their future Love endures all things, persevering and remaining loyal to the end. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, we can do that. What are you going to be like around a person that is like that? I'll tell you exactly. You're going to be drawn to them. <clears throat> and the world should be drawn to the people who walk in that kind of love. Everywhere that Jesus went, people were drawn to him. We're told that he didn't have any remarkable appearance. We're told it wasn't anything about his stature. But everywhere he went, people were drawn to, the, to him. That was a spirit of love. That spirit was the power of the Holy Spirit within him. When we receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior, that same spirit, that Christ had came into us, birthed our spirit man alive, and now the image of God is alive in each and every one of us, which we were born in his image and created in his image. And now we have that same image in us and that power if we will allow it to flow out to others everywhere that we go. There is war that is raging in this world and in this country. <clears throat> and it is to stop the flow of God's love. First John uh, chapter 2, verse 15 and 16 says that, that the love of God that is in us, that the love of God that, that, that do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. And that for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life is not of the Father, but of the world. That is the spirit of the Antichrist that is warring against the love of God for the world. And that you and I have the ability to go into all of the world and share that love with everyone that we see and everyone that we meet. My mom, I love my mom. My mom is alive in heaven. My dad's alive in heaven. I, I, I am a mixture of both of them, but probably more like my dad than anybody. Nothing seemed to bother my dad. He had turned anything into a joke. Uh, he, just, he just loved to laugh. I, I feel the same way. My mom was giving, was caring, was just a wonderful person. But if he ever crossed her... She would really be irritable and upset. And I'll never forget one time my aunt, who, uh, or, my or my grandmother, who died, and she had a ring that my grandmother uh, had, and my mom always wanted that ring. And my aunt ended up in that ring. And my mom really took it hard. 
And my dad, as was always his custom, he would say, I can still hear my dad saying this, Lou, let it go. <laughs> Lou, let it go. Well, my mom didn't have a tendency to let things go that crossed her. She had a tendency to describe it to a lot of people and to describe it over and over and over and over and over and over again and over and over again. All you had to do to set my mom off was bring up, hey, what happened to grandma's ring? Over and over and over again and over and over and over again she would be constantly on that my mom had a strong hold it's actually two words but in the bible it talks about it in second corinthians the devil walks about trying to plant things in us he tries to get you upset every one of us have things in our life that if we focus on it it will be a strong hold on our emotions that makes sense in other words it's not right what they did. That doesn't matter. It's already been done. Have you ever noticed that everything is past tense? They did this. That's past tense. They shouldn't have done that. That's past tense. Well, I wish they hadn't done that. That's past tense. Everything is past. Why would we want to live in the past of a strong hole that will hold my emotions in check from being like Christ and walking like Christ everywhere that I go. Right or wrong, I hope you hear this right. Right or wrong is never the issue in walking in love. Right or wrong is never the issue. Will you sometimes be wrong? Sure. You will be wrong sometimes. Will you sometimes be wrong? This may be hard for you, but... Yes, you will. But we walk in love no matter what people do to us, always believing the best, expecting the best, wanting the best. It doesn't matter what the world does to us or what people who are in the world. This, this is going on in my mind after I talked to my nephew the other day on the phone. I hung up. Pam was in Tulsa. And I hung up and I started to cry because this is what I heard. I don't know if it's God or not, but this is what I heard. I want you to go get him again. I just started to cry. I thought, God, I don't want to do that. I mean, if this is really you, I don't want to do that. How many of you realize you know what you hear? Turn to your neighbor. This is a no-brainer, by the way. It's not a setup. Turn to your neighbor and say, you know what you hear. You may not know where you hear it from, but you know what you hear. And I know what I heard when I, when I hung up the phone. I want you to go get him again. And I thought, oh, God, is that really you? I don't want to do that. Now, I know I want to do it. I know in here I want to go get him. I want to see him set free. Up here, oh, gee, God, that costs almost a 1000 I'm not talking about, I'm just being honest with you. That costs $1,000. Last time I did it, not another $1,000, and I don't feel like I want to do that. And in here, yes, you do. You want to be like my son. You know you want to go get him. And help them get set free. Up here? No, I don't. I want to go to Florida. I want to use that money. <laughs> I'm going to use that money down there, sun and sea. <laughs> I'm just being transparent and honest with you. This is not a make-believe conversation. I was having this conversation. And so I thought, okay, 
I'll talk to my wife. I don't know why I always say that, why I talk to my wife. I always know what she's going to say before I ask. And I, and I said, honey, this is what I hear. And she said, well, you better get ready to go get them. Uh, that's not what I want to hear. I want you to hear, well, maybe we better pray about it. I know in my heart I would want to lay my life down for that boy. But I know here I'm struggling. There are areas in your life, it may not be like this, but there are areas in, in your life where if you're not careful, you will struggle with right or wrong. <clears throat> Is it right what he does? That every time he gets out of jail, he goes back on crack cocaine? No. Is it right? <coughs> Is it right? <coughs> Excuse me. Is it right that he lies and steals? And shoplifts? No. <clears throat> I could focus on that, or I could focus on the fact that Jesus died for his sins so that he could be the man of God that he's called to be. <clears throat> Wouldn't surprise me that the boy's called to be a minister. Gentle spirit as a young man, love God. Some things happen, hardened his heart, turned to drugs. Everybody is looking for something to take the pain away. That's why kids are on drugs all over. Take the pain away of something. <clears throat> looking for some experience. We have the answer for the entire world. And if we will yield to it, it will be the greatest experience you'll ever have. My day yesterday was made, excuse me, two days ago. By the little lady in Walmart. That affected my whole day. I still think about that. If you want to walk in love everywhere that you go, it's going to be the most rewarding experience <clears throat> you've ever had. And you'll touch lives for eternity. We have that ability. Let's stand to our feet. <clears throat> when, I, when I was... Uh, here in Lafayette many, many years ago. Guys, somebody asked me the other day, we we're talking about Hawaii, and I said, oh, yeah, I lived in Hawaii for two years <clears throat> in, in, in the service and just loved it. I said, really? I said, how long since you've been over there? And I said, well, and I got to figure it out, it was 55 years. I said, glory to God, I thought it feels like it was yesterday. It was 55 years ago. Yeah, I imagine some things that might have changed a little bit. But as a businessman, I had been through a, a really bad situation. And been, most of you know, been, had been through a horrible divorce. Every divorce is horrible. Had children, financial challenges, all sorts of situations. Know what it's like to think, you know, maybe, maybe it's not even worth living. And I had a secretary that worked for me. She'd gotten saved while she worked for me under Charles Hackett's ministry of First Assembly of God, Jean. She's in heaven now. And Jean, uh, Jean would come in, and I could tell something was different about her. She just drove me up a wall. She was happy all the time, smiled all the time. And back then, I, I really had a, a, a bad vocabulary, and uh, it, was, it was pretty bad. And uh, matter of fact, when Pam heard that when she heard Pam was going to have a date with me, she said, you have to cut him a little slack because he's got a pretty foul mouth. And, uh, and uh, 
but, but she would never uh, uh, give up on me. And uh, all of the time she would come in and she would just say that, you know, Jesus loves you. And that, that just drove me crazy. I just got so tired. And I can't even tell you what I would tell her when she would say that. But she never changed her countenance. I could never shake that smile and love off of her. I didn't know what it was. I just knew she had something that I didn't like or want, but yet I did want it. Does that make sense to you? It was driving me up a wall, and there were many times I'd just yell at her and say, just get the blankety-blank out of my office. I don't want to hear that anymore. And one day, she never gave up on me, never gave up on me, smiled at me all the time, just loved me unconditionally. I didn't realize what that was at the time. Loved me unconditionally. And one day, just a moment of despair, she came back and she said, why don't you have lunch with a man in our church? And I said, okay, why not? I gave up. And he's the man who led me to the Lord, but she's the woman who led me to the Lord. It was because of her love that I finally reached the point that I didn't want to be like I was. I wanted to be like her. She had something I didn't have. The man who led me to the Lord had something I didn't have. Now, I'm preaching to the choir today because all of you have that love in you, unless it's maybe a couple of our visitors, but you have that love that has been deposited in you. And if you'll just yield to it and let it flow, every day is going to be a new day of just loving somebody and encouraging and exhorting and edifying somebody. And you will never know what a difference you will make in their life for all of eternity. Would you bow your heads with me just for a moment? Maybe you're here today and you've been attending this church for a while, but you've never asked Jesus to come into your heart, take control of your life. Or maybe you're here and you're like that prodigal son, that prodigal daughter. You've, You've strayed away from the things of God. God loves you, but he's calling you back to him. And if you're here and you'd say, I've, <clears throat> I've never accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior, or maybe you're here and you say, I just, I know I've, I've walked away from him, but I'm ready to come home. I'm going to ask you to slip your hand in the air, and we're going to pray for you. All over this church, you'd say, you've described me. I know my life is right. Hallelujah. Now, while we're still in prayer, I want to ask you a question. How many of you believe that you could do a better job of letting the love of Jesus flow through you to touch lives for eternity for the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings? If that's you, I'm going to ask you just to slip your hand in the air because nothing happens without a decision. And I don't know about you, but with all of the technology that we have today, cell phones, iPads, 
I think it's interesting that most of the things that are dominant out there all start with I. But if you see somebody walking through the store, their eye is in front of them. And they could walk by countlessly bleeding people and be focused on I, 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 and miss everything that is around them. The greatest experience in the world is to yield your life to the Lord. Realize that you're on this earth for a short time, but you're on assignment. And that there are people who eternally will be grateful to you if you let that love flow. For all of you that lifted your hands, I want us to make this confession right now. And I'm with each and every one of you. Lord, here am I. Use me. I feel your love. I have your love. I know it's unconditional. There are no conditions. I have the ability to share your love with every person I meet. I know I can do it because I'm anointed by you to love everyone without condition. Today, I make a decision. I desire to walk like Jesus and to love every person Never looking at right or wrong, but knowing this, I am on assignment. I accept my assignment. I know that I am valuable to you, and I know that you love me. I love you, Lord, with all of my heart, with all of my mind, with all of my soul, with all of my strength. I love my fellow man. I love my neighbor as myself. Now, Father, I thank you for every person that prayed that prayer. That is your will. That is your purpose for our life. And we gladly yield it to you now in the precious name of Jesus. And everybody said, turn to your...